1: Welcome to Acme Packing Company's Intercepted. I'm Justice Mosqueda. I'm here with a uh, Bengals fan, uh, Tyler Brooke. Say what's up to the people, Tyler.
0: Uh, does it, Well, hello, everyone. Does it count? It, am I a Bengals fan if I'm actually going to Cincinnati on Sunday? I don't think that's how that works. I think I'm going to be wearing
1: green and gold. Yeah, so, okay, so this is what happened. This is why the podcast is late. I recorded for a full hour with Joe Goodberry. He's great. He's the best Bengals resource out there. He used to work Absolutely. for The Athletic. He's a great guy. Um, Wish you guys could have heard it. Unfortunately, the audio quality just got messed up so bad at the end. I I don't know what happened on our end. He was sounding fine when we were recording, and then I listened to the audio afterwards, and we got Paul listening to it. Uh, We had Zach listen to it, and they were like, oh, oh no, this is unsavable. So this is what we're going to do. Tyler is going to play the role of me. I'm going to play the role of Joe Goodberry. So we're going to talk about Packers, Bengals. He's going to look at it from the Packers' perspective. After talking to Joe, I have a pretty good feel about uh, this Bengals team. I've seen them play two games this year, too. So I'll talk about the Bengals on that end. Uh, Tyler, one thing I did ask Joe was, where do you eat and drink in Cincinnati? He told okay, me, because okay. I know I know we're going to have some people from Acme Packing Co. down at the game, too. And uh, I'm sure there's plenty of Packers fans who listen to this who are probably thinking about making that trip. I, I said, am making that trip. I got to know this. <laughs> yeah. So Joe Joe said – you know, where the stadium district is in that city, it's really like downtown. So yep. there's just bars and just places to eat everywhere. He basically said you could throw a rock and you can end up eating good food, drink a good drink. Uh, he did say he's never had uh, Skyline Chili and that he doesn't have any ambition no, really no. To, to participate in that. He was like, it just looks like, you know, just wet noodles. Like, it's just not, not good for you. So he said he's never partake taken. So that means, you know, we don't have to feel shame for, for not wanting to partake. Good. Either.
0: Fantastic. Well, I, I will say this. I've been to like half a dozen Reds games in my life. And I feel like every time I end up around that area, it's just nicer and nicer. So they're doing a really good job with it. Last game I went to is maybe a couple of years ago. I had a blast. So I'm looking forward to it. And I will say this. I said something about going to the game today on Twitter. All the Bengals fans have been pretty nice. So, you know, shout out that fan base. They've been pretty respectful.
1: If you're willing to go to Cincinnati, like they will welcome you <laughs> with open arms. Like they're just so happy, and they just don't. I mean, Packers fans are probably the most like seeing eye to eye with Bengals yep. fans. You know, a small market in the Midwest. Um, uh, Bengals fans are just sick and tired of just hearing Cincinnati jokes all the time. You know, yeah, so if you're willing funny. to come in and you're willing to break bread with them, they're they're just more than happy to share share a table with you. You know what I
0: mean? it's only, it's only a two hour drive for me. I'm in Indianapolis. Uh, I'm pretty pumped. My little brother is a diehard Packers fan. Uh, I originally wasn't even thinking about this game and he was like, Hey, this might be Aaron Rodgers' last year. And I was like, ah, oh, you're right. We got to go. We got to go. So he's flying in. We're taking the, it's less than two hour drive. Can't wait. Yep.
1: All right. So let's get this thing started. We're going to talk about the green Bay Packers offense, uh, and the matchups against the Cincinnati Bengals defense, first and foremost. Um, Lou, their defensive coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals, has had a little bit of a rough stretch. I think teams are kind of taking advantage of how they line up. One thing that the Bengals do is they're going to have big defensive linemen on the field. That's kind of been the mantra for the Bengals long-term. I mean, even when you look at, like, uh, when Carl Lawson was there, right? Carl Lawson, great pass rusher, got paid a ton of money by the New York Jets. They let him walk in part because of – Basically, cash flow structure uh, in his contract. Um, they essentially signed Trey Hendrickson for the same amount, but just the money hits faster uh, in, okay. in, in Carl Lawson's bank account. Um, that, that's kind <laughs> of, I mean, the Bengals, right? I mean, they're still a little a little cash poor. I, I know people saw uh, on Twitter um, the photo of the players uh, at the presser. The post-practice presser, Oh, and it's the on like
0: stand. Oh gosh, yeah, it's on yeah. that little
1: stand that like uh, you know substitute teachers roll the televisions out on when they when they come. That's in. bad. People are like, "What? You guys can't even? Yeah, you guys can't even get a, a, a proper uh, a proper podium for these players to field questions on." And that's kind they, of the Bengals right now. I mean, it's a family-run business, and they make money off of football specifically. So when that is cycling around, cash flow then becomes a problem. You look at these owners and how they talk about. Um, Uh, what dang, I forget what you call it. It's when when you you when you the NFL have this rule, right? Where if you're going to sign a player to a contract, you need to have escrow. Um escrow, yeah. You have to put money in escrow. That becomes a problem for the Bengals because cash on hand then becomes an issue, right? We we've seen this issue with real Mac
0: on the Raiders. Yep. Yep. I remember that vividly. Yep.
1: Yep, exactly. Um, so the Bengals up front. One of the things that is a big question for them is if Larry Oganjobi can go or not. Um he is a penetrating defensive tackle. Um, he's kind of like their only pressure guy on the inside. They have DJ Reader, who's a great nose tackle. Um, he's going to eat up in the run game. He did that in Houston. He's done it at a, at a high clip. He's a pretty young guy. The, the one problem with Cincinnati's pass rush is they don't really have juice off the ball if it's not Larry, right? So they're getting a lot of penetration from the inside. Trey Hendrickson is fine. Sam Hubbard is a good run defender. But the thing with Trey Hendrickson is... He's more of a guy who, like, wears down the pocket later in the down than he's just going to, like, get that jump off the ball and just beat your offensive tackle around the corner,
0: you know? I will say, I, I'm actually pretty impressed with how Cincinnati has reloaded that front. You know, when they lost Carl Lawson and obviously Geno Atkins in free agency, just because he's not the same player he used to be. You know, credit to them. I really liked Ogan Joby, you know, early on in Cleveland. He showed some real flashes. Uh, I will say, this is definitely the area on either side of the ball where I'm pretty concerned. Um, are you going to be able to run the ball effectively, control possession with the Josh Myers news now that he's out and Jenkins being questionable, though he's finally practicing. Like it could be horrible. <laughs> it could be horrible. Uh, I, I'm pretty optimistic, though. Stenovich has done such an incredible job getting whoever's out there ready. So it's something to keep an eye on. I do think Hendrickson's a little overrated. I feel like he had that season last year where sacks didn't necessarily, necessarily, you know, show how much pressure he was generating consistently. So I'm interested uh Jubby, i'm not sure he's gonna go that's just my hot take i think when you see a guy that's limited all week go from that to did not practice on friday uh that's a big red flag to me
1: yeah for sure um yeah that that was the other funny thing about people shocked about josh myers right and they're yeah. like oh that's surprising josh myers is listed as out and i'm like he hasn't practiced all week i don't yeah i don't know if it's that that's <laughs> surprising but uh, i mean you, the Bengals have play
0: We'll talk about it later, but the Bengals have a couple of guys that are questionable. I'm like those dudes did not practice all week, so you're pretty confident there, huh?
1: Yeah. Um, at the linebacker level, uh, they have Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt. Those are the two guys that you're going to see. Both of them are very athletic. Um, Logan Wilson's playing really good ball right now. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I have questions about with Green Bay's structure, right? So Green Bay. What is the plan right now? If you look at what they did against the Pittsburgh Steelers, the whole second half, they basically made it a binary, right? I wrote about it on the site a little bit um, with the three tight end sets, if you guys want to look that up uh, for Acme Packing Company. Basically, what they did was they forced the Steelers to declare if they were going to double or at least shade a safety to Devontae Adams' way in an extreme way. So the way that they did it, they put three tight ends to one side. They put Devontae Adams on the other. And if you shaded the safety to Devontae Adams, okay, that's two guys out of the fit, right? Then you have a cornerback outside of the three tight ends. He's outside of the fit because they're going to run inside. So now you have eight hats on eight hats, and they were just willing to run the ball down your throat, right? So I guess that's the question when it becomes like, all right, who is Josh Myers' replacement, and can he get that job done? Because if, you know, with MVS out, right, they don't really have another deep shot guy. The way that they've done it is they've kind of used Robert Tunyon as that guy, as that deep shot alternative to Devontae Adams. Um, and the big question is, okay, once you get Logan Wilson, who's play, again, he's playing very good ball right now. Um, if He's not a household name. I understand, you know, the- Packers
0: fans should know him a little bit.
1: A little bit from the draft a couple of years yeah. ago. Yeah, but, you know, I understand if, if you're not really uh, in tune to the uh, Jordan, uh, the Jordan uh, Logan Wilson uh, beat right now. But between him over the middle, And then Jesse Bates at safety, that's actually like a really interesting matchup, I think, for Robert Tunyon, because that that could be a win condition on either side. Like whoever wins that matchup over the middle of the field, I I think the game could be decided that way. Not will be decided, but could be. Uh,
0: I feel like Lafleur is going to game plan for Bates big time. I mean, every time I watch that guy, that guy is an absolute beast. Uh, does such a good job breaking down on the ball. So, you know, to your point about 13 personnel and having, you know, see how the defense reacts to covering Devontae, I am curious do they see they try to feel out early on what's Bates playing? Are they going to use base to try and shade Adams? Are they can try and double team bracket him, or are they going to try and keep him in the middle of the field to cover the post? So, I, I'm wondering if LaFleur has a couple different ideas of how he wants the game script to go based on how the Packers shade or, sorry, how the Bengals you know are operating with Adams in mind because let's be honest I mean he is the threat right now on offense uh, especially if that front you know especially if the offensive line is struggling a little bit and the defensive line can beat him uh, it's going to be one of those days where Rodgers and Adams are going to need to be clicking
1: yeah I think we're getting to that point of the season too where like man these game time decisions are, are so yeah. huge like when I mean we'll talk about the Bengals offense in a bit but you know, they have a couple offensive linemen plus Joe Mixon, you know, as question marks. Um, in the secondary, uh, Chidobie uh just came back. Uh, it seems like he's going to play, but Trey Wayne's is still questionable. Um, these are pretty big decisions, especially Larry Okunjobi. Like, if they don't have yeah. Oak and Joby, you know, that opens up the run game a little bit more. So, like, a lot of things are going to change. You know, wh- what time is it uh, Eastern? That'd be, like, 10 o'clock Eastern on so on I, sunday morning
0: for inactives yeah it's usually 11 30 i'm i'm back on eastern yeah. time flow so inactives drop 11 30 uh, i'm west coast
1: bad. time so like there's no chance i don't know how I'm you do watch it, that man. london game there's no <laughs> chance i'm or uh, the first half of the london game i'll say that i'm not waking up at 6 30 in the morning to watch jet jets falcons kickoff that's not happening i'll catch as, the second half
0: as a soccer fan i don't know if i could ever live west coast just because there are insane. games there are games I get up for seven thirty Eastern, be four thirty your time. I'm like, I don't, I don't think I could do that. I love soccer too much to
1: move west coast. No, it's people waking up at five a.m. to go to the bar and watch NBC Sports. I can't, hey, I can't imagine. Don't knock people waking up early to go to the bar though. That part's always the best part. <laughs> five in the morning's a bit much to me, frankly. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I think that is kind of the story of the Bengals defense right now. It's their defensive structure isn't necessarily there, but they have some guys, and it's really kind of matchup oriented, if that yep. makes sense. Um, the other thing that we should talk about, Elton Jenkins got listed as questionable. He's practicing now um, with that ankle injury that he sustained and apparently played through in week two. And just, yep. he must've done enough damage in, on that ankle that, you know, he's out two weeks, maybe maybe three weeks. I mean, who knows? Uh, it sounds like he's gonna be like day-to-day kind of game time decision-y. Um, Myers is officially out with that finger injury. That's a bummer. The big question is like, who do you want to start at center? Right. Cause, cause LaFleur talked about it a little bit and he's like, I'm not ruling out Nyman not starting. So that could mean, you know, Elton Jenkins could play center. That yep. means, um, you know, Jake Hansen could play center potentially. Like on paper, he's supposed to be the reserve center. And then uh, obviously Lucas Fitzpat or Lucas Patrick has some playing, some playing experience at center too. So I mean, we could see three different potential centers you know, depending on what happens on game day, they asked him about it in the post practice presser today. And the floor is like, you will find out who's starting at center on the first play of our offensive drive. Cause I'm not going to tell you that.
0: I'm pretty sure it's not even his call. It's definitely Stenovich is like, these are the five guys we're going to roll out and he'd be like, okay. But I think we talked about this in the Slack a little bit earlier. It really is. Who do you want to play? Do you want Nyman to play or do you want Patrick or Hanson to play? And in my eyes if Jenkins is good to go. You know, give me Nyman. He hasn't been perfect, but
1: he's a big body. He's athletic, and he's done a decent job. No, I, I agree. And Nyman, Nyman's earned himself some money. Congratulations to that guy. Because, oh yeah, you know, he, he might not be back, you know, in Green Bay in the same capacity next year, but he'll be somewhere, and he'll get paid solid money as a swing tackle. Kind of like how the Packers picked out, like, Dennis Kelly, right? That, that's yep. probably what Nyman is looking at next year.
0: And I'm thinking his next. I was thinking a uh, Ty Naseki, another guy that was a good mm-hmm. swing tackle, someone that was pretty solid. Uh, I do want to point out one thing about the Bengals' defense, uh, because obviously, statistically, they stack up pretty well right now. Look at the quarterbacks they played. Yeah, I will say I mean, that that's all I'm going to say. They've had some absolute brutal, uh, quarterbacks they've had to play against. You know, a physically destroyed Ben Roethlisberger, uh, one half. I'm not sure how long Fields played in that game, but Dalton started that game and Fields finished it, so that was all wonky. And then obviously the Jaguars um, and the Jaguars played okay in that game. So I think their stats are super inflated. They are still giving up explosive plays on defense. And I am actively rooting for Trey Waynes to start. I will say that I just fondly remember Rogers torching that guy any chance he gets. So I'm sure he's even like, I hope this guy plays.
1: Yeah, I think that's kind of where the weakness is for the bang- this Bengals defense. I mean, obviously, if, again, I'm going to keep saying this over and over again you're gonna want to know if Larry Oganjoobi's in the game right yeah. so that that's very important but outside of that the cornerbacks i mean if they do play they're going to play banged up and, yep. and it's going to be close it's going to be close to if they can go or not um but like you mentioned week 1 Cincinnati Bengals they they won they took the Minnesota Vikings in overtime week 2 they lost to Andy Dalton never a good sign week 3 they smacked down the Pittsburgh Steelers but they only scored 24 points that should be noted and that defense was very, played them in a very weird way. If we're going to talk about like complementary football and how it, you know, defense impacts offense and all that, the Steelers really bought into Blitzburg. Like, yep, two or three years ago, I can't remember. Whenever Minka Fitzpatrick, right, whenever that trade happened, they really bought into that whole Blitzburg mentality. Against the Bengals, they basically didn't blitz. They just kind of spot drop coverage. So. It was kind of out of their hand, too, because, you know, they were out two pass rushers. If you guys remember, we were talking about that the whole week leading up to that Steelers game the following next week, where it was like both of their top pass rushers had groin injuries. Will they play or won't they? They ended up playing against the Packers. They didn't against the Bengals. And you saw their game plan change. And then last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars, that first half, I mean, they looked brutal. Uh, Joe, Joe was actually at that game and he was like, I couldn't believe what we were seeing. And then they came out after halftime and they were like, yeah, just feed Jamar chase the ball. I forgot we have Jamar yep. chase. Oh yeah. Let's just go do that. So they barely sneaked out against Jacksonville. They do have uh extended rest, which is probably something that's worth talking about. Um, so they haven't played since that Thursday night game. So they're getting a little bit more rest coming into this one. I don't know how much that really impacts uh, this game because how young this Bengals team is generally. Yep. Right. I, I think that extended rest, helps like veteran teams more than uh young yeah isn't
0: teams. isn't there that whole discussion of rest versus rust because it feels like a lot of these games where these guys are coming off a thursday night long extra week that they come come out a little sloppy uh the big thing to me that surprised me now that you bring that up is when you do look at the Bengals injury report they did have extra time to rest but there are still a lot of guys not practicing and to me that's that's a red flag
1: yeah and some of these guys i mean they're getting hurt at practice that was, that was the other yeah. thing is you, those late week injuries are really kind of what well, de- derails game plans a little bit. Cause you've been practicing for two days and then you're like, Oh, we're out of corner. Okay. That Oops. sucks. Yeah. And we're going against Devonte Adams. So again, I think the Packers are just doing such a good job at um, really, it's not really scheming Devonte Adams open as much as it is stress testing a defense to force them to, if not Met, yeah. if not double Devontae, shape things to Devonte, and yeah. in, in different alignments. Cause you'll get him at X, right? Which is the solo receiver. You'll get him lined up as the one, two, or three in trips. And no matter where he's at, they can run those RPO bubbles. They can run, you know, uh, double moves and stuff like that with him. There was a play last week where they faked, it was basically um a fake RPO that then turned into like four verts. And then on the backside was a tight end delay. And Rogers was patient enough to hit the tight end delay on the backside. And it's just like, when they're operating like that, there's only so many things you can do, man. There's <laughs> there's only so many things you can do when Rogers can throw it into a shoebox to Devontae Adams and Devontae Adams can come away with that catch, even if it isn't tight coverage. So I think the Packers, when they have the ball, probably do have the advantage. The one big thing I would say is, Can they run the ball? And a lot of that is contingent on, like, is Larry Ogunjobi on the field? And we won't know that until inactives are released.
0: Uh, I will say this, you know, in the LaFleur era, I think the thing I have enjoyed so much about watching the Packers offense, even in its early stages where it was still trying to figure itself out, you have two of the smartest offensive minds in football working together and LaFleur embraced as soon as he showed up, we're going to give Rogers as much input as he wants in this offense and seeing how these two work together. I mean, they talked about it on that 49ers final drive that they drew up that first play concept just on practice on Thursday those are the kind of things where I've started to notice, especially this year. They see a weakness in the defense. They have a game plan to attack that all day. So, looking forward to that. Hoping to see that in person. You are right. It's all going to going to depend on if Ogunjobi's uh, healthy.
1: One of the other things, just a quick note uh, about this offense. When I was watching the the um, coaches' film, I was really able to hone in on like their personnel packages um, yeah. for the for the pack. I'm talking about the Packers here. I know I'm supposed to be playing Joe Goodberry. I'm, I'm not it's right hard. now. It's hard. <laughs> it's, it's hard to live up to those shoes, you know. Um, but one, th- one thing that they do do is they'll get you a nickel, and they'll just line up a wide receiver, basically a tight end, and they'll just run it down your throat. I mean, that, that's one thing the Packers did, um, I think, kind of in response to MVS being out. Um, when they go 11, which is one back, one tight end, three wide receivers, often they end up going under center, and they just run it down your throat, and you're out you know, either a defensive tackle or an inside linebacker in the game. And that's very tough to handle when a guy like Alan Lazard is willing to block like a tight end. When a guy like Randall Cobb is willing to block like a tight end. When Amari Rogers is in the game and they're giving you (laughs) one-on-one blocks with T.J. Watt, that's very hard to deal with when you have a lighter box because if those wide receivers can give you anything in the run game from those alignments, you're in a mismatch situation just in terms of numbers in the box,
0: you know? Uh, I don't know how Lazard's contract situation is ever going to work because I don't know how you quantify in dollars, his blocking, but he is unquestionably the best blocker of in the league at wide receiver. It's just the impact he brings. I did write a little bit about that in my Randall Cobb film study piece, just because every, it felt like every play I was watching, I was like, damn, that's just some good effort from Lazard. Even EQ was getting in there trying uh, amari rogers cobb um someone tweeted at me it's like i, I noticed how he didn't say Devontae. And it's like he takes away three guys on the field in the run game they detach him from the yeah
1: they detach him from the formation and you could like you if you watch the coaches film and one of the biggest things with the coaches film isn't necessarily like the angles but being able to look at the formation for a certain amount of time before the play actually gets snapped like if you're yep. watching broadcast right I mean, they'll show you the formation for like two and a half seconds and the ball is getting snapped. And it's very hard to see patterns of what's actually happening in the game. That, that's part of what it is. It's not even necessarily the angles. But when you're looking at it, I mean, you could see the gravity that Devontae Adams brings to the field because everything gets rotated that way, you know? And that, that's so tough. Like, that's when you look at uh, the three tight end sets. And again, we're mentioning this again, but the, tight end, the three tight end sets with Devontae opposite of it They ran inside. They basically ran inside zone four times in a row out of the same formation against the Steelers. Then they had a play action shot to Tunyon and Rogers threw it off of his back foot. So it didn't get completed, but it would have been wide open for a touchdown. So their process really right now is like, if you're going to let us run and you're going to play too high and we can get you in some sort of personnel mismatch because Alan Lazard is that as a blocker because Randall Cobb is that as a blocker. Um, they just do it and they'll do weird things too where like a lot of their their gun stuff last week was at 12 personnel they get two tight ends on the field now you have to match their gun passing offense which is like Aaron Rodgers deep seven step deep drops from the gun and you're in your base and you have three defensive tackles out there and four linebackers and you're like holy crap I don't know if we can you know cover Devontae Adams like that and then if Aaron Jones is lined up and empty. That's very tough to handle, too, because he's essentially another deep shot wide receiver. They threw a nine ball at him last week. and He almost came down with it for a touchdown.
0: Uh, I liked those clear out concepts they were running for him, too. They were sending, you know, if they were running trips with Jones out there, they were running some, you know, deep routes. And then he would just kind of delay a second cut across the field wide open because no one's covering if you're playing zone everyone's getting washed out by the receivers and you have jones wide open and he is a weapon in the passing game a huge fan of that i did want to go back to the 13 personnel even though we've said it 100 times only thing that drive was missing was a fullback to me i think i tweeted at you when you said it. i was like this is just hot football run it down the throat keep running 13 personnel just keep running inside zone however many times that's my love language as far as football is just get A.J. Dillon out there and just show what those quads can do and just run through guys. Yeah, and they do use
1: Dillon uh, a lot in those heavy sets. Like when they want to run inside, you could tell they,
0: they would Good. rather run yeah. inside
1: with A.J. Dylan than they would with uh, Aaron Jones, which, you know, it kind of leans into their skill sets. And if you're going to give Aaron Jones a breather, sure, give him, give him a breather on inside runs and let A.J. Dillon do it. The reason I would say they probably aren't using a fullback like that right now is because uh, Daphne's on IR. And then DeGuara was already out there uh, as one of the wings, you know. Um, so maybe, maybe if Daphne gets healthy enough, where they can pull him off of uh, IR or something like that, they'll use him. But I'd be kind of interested in seeing what AJ Dylan could do at fullback. I mean, if you they can, they ran use them a as play a with them. They yeah, ran a play with them, a there. Yeah. I mean, the whole. I think.
0: At... I think they ran one. It was third or fourth and short with Dylan at fullback, and they did a fake fullback dive, tossed to Jones, and I was like, "Oh, you can do some stuff." Everyone talks about pony package. Get me Dylan at fullback, and I feel like you can get pretty creative there.
1: Yeah. All right. Um, So I think that covers it for the Packers offense. So we'll throw it to break right now and then we'll flip to the other side of the ball.
0: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness and resilience that sets Marines apart.
1: And we are back. So let's talk about the Green Bay Packers defense. Obviously, the big thing is Jair Alexander. So we got news today. Um, really kind of how this has worked out this week, right, just to give you a timeline, is Matt LaFleur shows up on Monday on the Monday presser. He says, I'll give you an update on Wednesday. We don't know what's happening with Jair right now. We're looking for second opinions. Comes back on Wednesday, says, we're still looking for second opinions guys yeah. basically so the the insight that we got on Wednesday was essentially they want to see if you know Jair can go without surgery and he can you know maybe miss some time, play with a a, a sling on and um essentially what would happen is if he does have surgery, it's probably going to be a season, season ender, so they're yep. just hoping that this heals enough where he could come back at some point. Then today they let us know Jair not going to have surgery. So that's a good sign on, on the front end. The next question becomes, all right, how long is he going to be out? Um, is he going to go on IR? I would say he's probably going to go on IR just yep. looking at kind of these a- AC injuries and the timeline of it. You know, it's going to be more than three weeks. So you might as well put him on IR and give him that designation to return see how long it takes and, and then pull him off whenever he's ready. But I would assume he's going to go on IR. That doesn't mean his season is done. Um, who got hurt? Uh, Chauncey Rivers got hurt. He's on, he's probably going to go on injured reserve. Um, I think he's still technically listed on their 53 on their uh, injury, on the injury report.
0: Yeah. He's on the injury report, but they were pretty straightforward. Sure like, hey, he's going on IR.
1: Yeah. So that's just, they're just waiting for the other shoe to drop there. Um, Oh, boy. At pass rusher, that's going to be an interesting one. Ladarius Hamilton is probably going to be their fourth. Um, He's going to get into the game, I would say. It sounded like that from the way that uh, Matt LaFleur was talking about him yesterday on Thursday. Um, But he has not played a game yet. Uh, Ladarius was a guy who was picked up when Zadarius got put on injured reserve. Uh, He was picked up off of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers practice squad. But I believe he's the only Packer who hasn't been activated um, for any game this season. So. It's kind of a mystery box, right? I mean, <laughs> it can, with, this, this could be anything, right? It could even be a boat.
0: With this, the Stefan Gilmore trade rumors that didn't pan out and then immediately yeah. going into the Jalen Smith. And then you and I have had some chaos just off this podcast and Packers news. Just I've tweeted a lot of Ben Affleck cigarette memes just this week. Uh, tired. It's been chaotic. Even last week was a little chaotic with MVS and Zadarius news. Need it to, we just need it to calm down. Just, just take a second, take a deep breath. Maybe no one gets hurt this week. Knock on wood. That would be nice. Hopefully, but hopefully, the, I'm praying. The, I keep asking my injury guys about, well, my injury guy about uh, Jair. What, what's likely going to happen? Best case scenario is four weeks in a harness. Uh, I it's likely six to eight weeks and he's still playing with that harness. So it's going to be, I think it's going to be some time. Uh, I think I would lean on the side of severity if it took them this long to have any kind of decision on surgery, it must be pretty bad.
1: Yeah, I, I'm sure. Sure. It's not good. Well, once you're asking for second, third, fourth, fifth opinions, I mean, that that's never necessarily what you want to hear, but yeah. the fact that he's not immediately having surgery is somewhat of a bright sign. I don't um, think he'll
0: miss the season, so I, I think that's the way to look at it because they'll win the, the – yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, they win the division, get into the playoffs, he should be there, and he should – if not 100%, he should at least be able to perform.
1: What do you think about the Packers rostering six inside linebackers? That That's something that I wouldn't have expected. I would have thought that – you know, obviously there's been some injuries, so I guess that, like, quote-unquote, helps. Um, Not that injuries are ever a good thing, but uh, but in terms of – you Know adding clarity to the roster construction that certainly did that this week. So they have Barnes, right? Barnes seems like he's gonna play um next to Devondre Campbell, who I'm full blown just like, yeah, pro bowl vote. Let's do it. Yeah, pro bowl <laughs> vote. Let's get let's get
0: him <laughs> like, in the pro bowl. Let's build first the Packers, momentum. First Packers linebacker to ever exist. So get him in the Pro Bowl.
1: Yeah, and then Burks summers off the bench. McDuffie's really only played um special teams. I really don't think. McDuffie really has a path to playing time as long as Burks is there, um, just because they're such similar players. And then obviously Jalen Smith uh, getting added. Uh, Jalen Smith was a linebacker. He played at Notre Dame, had a huge injury, uh, catastrophic injury at the end of, uh, I believe it was the bowl game against Ohio State, his last game of his Notre Dame career.
0: Yeah, it was the bowl game. I'm from Indiana, so I hear about Notre Dame all the time. Uh, it was the bowl game, and it definitely started a shift towards a lot of players skipping like somewhat meaningful, meaningless meaningless uh, bowl games. Yeah, because he,
1: I mean, he basically dealt with drop foot for a whole yeah. year, and that's that's a pretty tough injury. I mean, it's insane, honestly, that Jalen even got back to playing in the NFL. Um, he ended up signing, I believe, it was like a six year, sixty four million dollar contract with the Dallas Cowboys. The reason that they cut him essentially was because he didn't want to waive his injury clause. What that means is that his contract, the way it's structured, if he would have gotten hurt in 2021, they would have guaranteed him money in 2022. The problem mm, okay. with that is he that he's already moved onto the second line of the depth chart. So the, yeah. pa- the so the Cowboys were in a position where it was like the only thing we can't have you do is get hurt. That is yeah. the worst thing that can happen to us. We saw this happen. Um, this is an old example, but like RG three, right? His last year in Washington, uh, the wa- the Washington team, football team, they weren't called the football team back then, guys, um, basically used RG three as a scout team safety and just did not have him play quarterback at all, did not activate him at all. And the reason for that is they just did not want to trigger that injury clause. Yep. So the, the the Cowboys decided, all right, to hell with it. We're just going to cut you if we can't find a team that will trade for your contract. We're just going to cut you. Um, he does have uh, off offset clause in his contract. We got that confirmed. Um, so basically, he signed a minimum deal with the Packers, um, the vet minimum for how many years that he's been in, that he's been in the league, so that the Cowboys are basically on the hook for all of his money. So he's getting the so if, if he couldn't have gotten more money than the Cowboys were going to pay him, then his money wouldn't have changed at all. The money that he's getting from Green Bay as the minimum isn't new money for him. Um, it's just basically taking away that money that the Cowboys owe him and, and reverting it to Green Bay. But they're only going to end up paying him like, I think it was like 77,000 for, for uh, the remaining 14 games of the season or whatever,
0: 770 K. And I remember when the news was coming out, of course it was like the one time this week I've been out of pocket, but all of a sudden the slack's blowing up. I checked my phone at dinner and I'm like, why is the slack on fire? Um, I was a little anxious about that signing at first. Cause you know, they had said there was a, like a robust market for him. He's probably going to sign for a big deal, getting him on a vet minimum. Uh, And I watched some of the tape. He's he's still got something in the tank, right? And if it's an upgrade over 44 on the defense uh, that I see that as a win, Um, you bring up you know, we have a ton of inside linebackers on the squad right now. Uh, I wonder if they're starting to view a couple of those guys as hybrid inside outside, you know, if there's such a little depth on the outside, you know, they like to blitz with Burks. I could see them doing something similar with Jalen. I'd be super interested. I don't know if it'll happen but I would love to see if they try and have a second or third rotation of edge rushers with Jalen and Burks just to see what would happen.
1: Yeah. And I wrote about it this week, but you know, Joe is opening the playbook a little bit and I like it's changing what they do in nickel. Um, There were plenty of times where they would go out there and, and typically the way three, four teams go into nickel, right? They take out a defensive tackle and then they put a slot corner in. So you have two defensive tackles, two pass rushers, two inside linebackers. The way Green Bay did it for a good spurt against the Steelers and also against the Niners uh, two weeks ago, not last week, um, was using three defensive tackles, two inside linebackers, and a pass rusher. Well, that's really interesting, right? Because yeah. who's playing the other edge then? Well, the answer is Burks because yeah. he's, he's screaming off the edge with that speed that he has. Jalen, ha- his legs are not where they used to be. Um, if we're going to be completely frank there, right? Yeah. He, it's not where it was at Notre Dame, and that would have made him probably a top 10 pick, and that's why he fell down to the second round with that drop, those drop foot issues and all that, and shouts to him for being able to fight through that injury and get back on the field. But his legs aren't where they used to be, but he does have a size advantage. So you yep. can kind of play games with Burks and him where it's like, do we want speed or do we want size as that second inside linebacker? Because they're playing a lot of games defensively with not only their alignment, but the personnel packages that they put out there. Cause it's not just traditional three, four base. It's not just traditional, uh, you know, two, two, two nickel stuff. They're, they're mixing and matching based off of what the situation in the game is. If it's first and 10, they might have three defensive tackles out there, even though it's nickel. If it's second and seven, they might only have two defensive tackles out there and they might just get edge rusher screaming off the edge.
0: Let me, let me tell you, going – I love the three defensive tackle bear front. You did a nice job of covering that, by the way. Um, but going from Mike Pettin, who didn't understand really how run fits worked, to going to, you know, we have to stop the run. They have really talented backs. Let's not take defensive linemen out off the field when we can uh, has been really nice. And I know a lot of Packers fans really panicked early on about Joe Perry, but it does seem like he's got a plan. If he can, if he can hold the defense up while Jair is out, uh, he's, he's going to deserve a lot of credit.
1: Yeah. And then you want to talk about the defensive backs right now. It seems like King is probably going to play. Um, it seems like Stokes is going to start opposite of him. I guess you have to play Chandon right. As the nickel. I mean, the hope was, you know, King eventually could take over as the nickel and be at least a little bit more physical if nothing else and, and have a long body there. Um, I th- I still think King is a guy that you want using the sideline as a defender at the end of the day. Yeah. And ideally, you know, probably Jair plays the slot um, kind of like how the, the Rams used uh, Jalen Ramsey and stuff. And you can look at college football teams, college football teams for the most part in these like modern defenses, their studs are playing in the slot. Like when Mika is playing for Alabama, he's playing in the slot. He's not using, he doesn't I'm have to be Kyle the Hamilton line.
0: all the time, do this yep. right now, playing in the slot, just because you want a guy that's big body can break down hill, athletic is all get out and can cover and doesn't need to use the sideline as leverage, as you pointed out.
1: Yeah, you got to have a certain level of movement skills to play that position when you have a two way go against a guy. Um, one interesting thing that I would say coming into this game, I mean, this is the second week that they've had four safeties, right? Vernon Scott is now healthy enough that he can play in games. I do wonder if they would ever use Savage as that nickel, because um, Savage does one, he has the physicality; two, he has the speed; three, he has movement skills as a he has movement skills that are similar to a cover corner, right? Yep. So those three things benefit him. The one thing is that when the Packers go into three safety looks, they don't add the extra safety as a as that nickel; they add him as a box defender. So they'll take an yeah. inside backer off the field and they'll drop Amos in there, and then they'll have you know, right now it's Savage and, uh, Henry black playing up top. So I I didn't, I
0: I didn't love what I saw from Henry black against San Francisco. I don't think he played a ton, but he seemed to get baited on a couple of things when his responsibilities were deep safety. But I really like the idea of Savage in the slot. His click close ability is where he wins. And that's a position where you kind of need that, especially if you're trying to support run and things like that. So you bring that up and now that's something I'm going to be keeping an eye on, um, you know, I feel like Barry's going to have to change up a lot in the secondary without Jair. You know, a lot changes. It's going to be a battle of attrition for the rest of the way until Jair's healthy. Um, I am curious if they we see more Isaac Yadam. You know, he has starting experience. How, how terrible can he be is my thought process, although you are going against a pretty absolutely stacked wide receiver group.
1: I said this after last game, but I'm not sure if King is even better than Yadam. You know, like yeah. Yadam mm-hmm. isn't anything to write home about but he's he you know through the preseason through the regular season when he's gotten limited snaps he hasn't really had the coverage bust that you see with king sometimes and it's not even necessarily coverage bust, but just losing track of the ball i think that's one of the more frustrating things with king where it's like you're a long body you can run and sometimes you are in the right position and you still lose and that's the toughest thing to handle um on the henry black thing i'm actually not to bring it back to preseason takes but I was actually kind of surprised that he made the 53 because I don't think he was that impressive, even relative to the other safeties that were out there in the preseason. Like Ennis Gaines, who's on the practice squad right now, I thought he was great in the preseason. He was just a missile. And and that's a, the type of guy that I think that the defense in certain sub packages, th- there's a way to find that guy on the field. And I think he would have helped out on special teams, too. I know Black plays a ton of special teams. He's a vet especially with Vernon Scott dealing with that hamstring injury that basically took him out for a month plus I'm sure that played into the the decision to keep black on the team um but I do wonder if they kind of make a move there because I, I don't really know what black really brings to the table I mean I'm not trying to rip the guy he's a second yeah. string safety I mean yeah you, exactly you, you can only expect so much it's just i don't I don't I don't know what the role is I don't really don't
0: it's, it's the NFL. So even if things don't change drastically, which, you know, this is coming out Friday evening, it still might. It still might change pretty drastically by Sunday. Uh, over the next few weeks, if things aren't working right, you, you're going to see a lot of changes. So that could be where you see Ennis Gaines. You could see Ento. Like you have no idea who could come off the practice squad because there's really not a ton of names in the secondary worth pursuing, at least on the free agent market right now. Maybe they try to make a trade near the deadline if Jair isn't healing properly. There's, there's a lot that could go into this.
1: If they played more man, I'd be more comfortable with Entel being in there. But he, he's just in, in the run game. It's very obvious that he's a former wide receiver, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's kind of what, what hurts him a little bit. Um, pivoting to how this matches up with the Cincinnati Bengals offense, because we got a, we got a football game on Sunday. Yep. Um, the, the big thing with the Bengals offense right now, we mentioned it already, two offensive linemen, Trey Hopkins, their center. That's a huge deal. He's on yep. the injury report. If he doesn't play, that's huge. Xavier Suofilo. He's um, out, right? Yeah, he's out. He hasn't been healthy in a while, but that's still a pretty big deal. Jackson Carman uh, was drafted in the second round out of Clemson. He was probably overdrafted a little bit. He was supposed to play tackle. They kicked him inside a guard. He's faring better at guard. He's not doing a great job, but he's faring better at guard. And then Joe Mixon is the other one where it's like, if you don't have him and it's just Samaji Pirine and Chris Evans in the backfield, that's a big question mark because one, one other thing, too, is Mixon, the, the way the Bengals offense is structured, right, it's very obvious when they're going to pass and when they're going to run. They, are, yep. they have one of the biggest splits for under center and gun um, in terms of run pass. So when they're under center, they run the ball 80 percent of the time. When they're in the gun, they pass 80 percent of the time. One of the biggest issues is when Joe Mixon is in the game, he cannot contribute much as a pass blocker. And I'm sure a billion people just rolled their eyes or, yeah, rolled their <laughs> yes. eyes listening to that and saying running back pass blocking, it doesn't matter. It does. It, it does, unfortunately. Matter.
0: Sony Michelle on Thursday night had some great pass protection while Stafford wasn't 100% and helped him open up the way for some big throws.
1: Right. And they used to have that guy in Juke Bernard and they don't yep. have that anymore. So when Mixon was in, you know, they've basically had to get five out in terms of route combinations, which just leaves five offensive linemen out there. And I don't know if it's a quarterback issue. I don't know if it's an offensive line issue. And I don't know if it's a, a coaching issue, right? Those are three things that are hard to differentiate unless you're in the room. But for whatever reason, even against the Steelers, um, you are seeing them slide to the wrong side. And by the wrong side, I mean not where the numbers are yep. in terms of the slide. So you would get like one defensive lineman on the entire you know, center guard tackle to the left side right and they would still slide to the left so they would basically have three guys on one and then their whole right side of the offensive line is dealing with whatever Pittsburgh was sending at them so they can't get into protections right I do wonder if that's a especially with if you're gonna have two backup offensive linemen and a backup running back like just blitz the hell out of it right I mean if you're Joe Barry you're like this is the Oren Burks game where we have inside (laughs) linebacker and you're blitzing from depth and you might get free and it's just who can run fastest from point A to point B and get to Joe Burrow. That that I'm, might be what decides the game.
0: I was going to bring it up. Like you bring a good point up at Burks. I would love to see some blitzes, but you're telling me you're going up against a depleted, banged up interior offensive line without Joe Mixon. That sounds like a Kenny Clark game to me. I, oh, I would yeah. love, I would love to see, I, I will say this, you know, a lot of people started criticizing his contract and how he plays. I feel like consistently this season, you know, even if we don't include week one, cause that never happened. Um, he has consistently
1: kicked ass every week. Yeah, and one thing that's helped him out is they've moved him out to end. I love in, it, yeah. In, in base downs. I know we talked about it, and really the only the only hesitation I had was like, can his legs, are his legs in a spot where he can do that for 17 games plus the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. That's the only concern that I had. But they're using him in a more penetrating role, which is nice. Um, you know, obviously in nickel, you really don't get to choose where do you line up? Because you're just, you know, if you're the left defensive tackle, you're going to line up to the strength, right? So it, it, it doesn't matter. You know, you're just lining up to the strength of the formation. And then that's the shoulder of the guard that you're lining up on. So you don't get to decide if you're going to play, you know, three technique or if you're going to play nose tackle. Where in base, when the Packers do have the choice, they are now moving Kenny Clark to defensive end, which is really like a three tech, four eye, whatever you want to call it, outside shade of the guard. And they're just letting him get downhill and get into the backfield. And I think that's really nice for him. Um, passing game-wise, you know, Joe Burrow is having a better season. Um, he for, for what he's done for a guy who tore his ACL as a rookie yep. and then is coming back and is playing comfortable, like, shouts to him. Because I think there's a certain level of competitor there um, that is going to lead to success down the line in the NFL. And you heard uh, Matt LaFleur and Joe Barry both sing his praises, Uh, coming into this game and say, you know, what he's had to fight through, like he's going to make it Like basically is is their thought. Um, But at wide receiver, Jamar Chase is kind of the dude. Tyler Boyd is a great slot receiver. Um, They have a banged up wide receiver core outside of that for the most part. So like T Higgins, I believe is questionable. Mike Thomas is out. And then Stanley Morgan just returned to practice today. So there's a lot of like uh, question marks behind their three major wide receivers. And a lot of those guys are now banged up. So it's kind of like the Jamar chase Tyler Boyd show in the passing game right now.
0: I I will say, if you had asked me like, what's the thing you're most excited to see in person uh, for this game, not including a Packers thing, it's burrow and chase that college team. They were on is one of the most entertaining college football programs I've ever watched. So, um, I am a huge fan of Burrow. Uh, Chase is just an animal. You I know, mean, he skipped an entire year of college, and everyone was like, "Oh yeah, he's wide receiver one still." Like it's not even a question. Just that's the part that worries me. Their chemistry is clearly on point. He, they, those two have connected on some really impressive deep balls already this year, and for Burrow to be doing that, like you said, off a torn ACL and behind a pretty subpar line, uh, that should be a little concerning, given how banged up the Packers secondary is. And that's where I feel like, you know, this could become a shootout if the secondary isn't ready and Barry doesn't have the right
1: game plan. Yeah. The the one big benefit, I would say, for the Packers coming into this game relative to other games, and I guess you got it with the Steelers too, but it's just they are more talented up front than they are – than the Bengals are um, when they have the ball. So that's something that's nice because, you know, San Francisco, they probably – had the advantage outside of Brunskill, I would say. That was a big mismatch there. Oh, um, Brunskill, Warden, that was fun. <laughs> Dean Lowry was just able to run through his face. Um, and then, you know, the Lions and the Saints both have quality offensive lines. So yep. uh, against the Steelers, you know, they were able to stop them uh, running the ball efficiently in any way. Um, I think that's probably going to be the case uh, this week, too. Um, so that's just my general thoughts about this game. Uh, do you want to get into predictions?
0: Sure. Why not? Um... For the record, the Packers have never won a road game that I've attended. They're uh, it's zero 2 two, zero for three, something like that. And so. the
1: Bengals, there's been some like <laughs> bad juju with the Bengals too. Where oh it's yeah, like they, they get in the games, they end up winning them. They took away uh, what's his name, Jonathan Franklin's career from us. Like oh, God, just bad. I was so ex- bad. Memories. Why'd you bring
0: that up, man? I loved yeah. Jonathan Franklin. That kid was coming up. I was like, this is the dude. They was Lacey on the team at the time, too. Yep. So same, you had Thunder and class. Lightning. And you had Thunder and Lightning, and you're like, oh, this is going to be insane. And then, oh, man, you had to bring that up. You also got the Brett Favre uh, getting the ball taken away from him by a fan. That's always a good one to remember.
1: Yeah. They're just a lot of bad memes about the Bengals Packers matchup. It's, you it's just bummed me out a great man. one. I,
0: I just remember Jonathan Franklin existed. Holy crap. Man,
1: wow. The NFL, it it eats your body. It eats your body, man. Um. All right. So predictions. I thought, you know, Tex and I were talking about this in the post game. I thought the game was going to open up at like five and a half, six. It yep. opened up at three and a half. It's we at have like two
0: and a half now. Yeah.
1: Yes. Want to know the most interesting part? We have so SB Nation team sites this past week just uh, entered a partnership with DraftKings. Okay. Okay, so I'm starting to get these email blasts about, you know, hey, these are the lines. This is the way it's moving. Here's how many people have bet on these games on which side. This is the amount of money on these games on this side. The money and the bets are both coming in on the Green Bay Packers, but the line is moving toward the Bengals. So that's big time. Like Vegas needs the Bengals to look at least competent in this game, because I'm sure there's teasers, money line parlays, all sorts of stuff that's being tied up in this game. I think that line is still too low. I think I think the Packers should come into this and they should be, you know, 6 point favorites or something like that. Obviously, you still got to play the ball game, but I do think that the Packers are a significantly better team than this Bengals team even though the Bengals are 3 and 1. That's just kind of my perspective.
0: It's, it's all gonna come down to how hot their piss is right like that's oh my real. god <laughs> yeah we went
1: LeFleur. we almost went the
0: whole we almost went the whole episode without talking about it and I refuse we have to talk about it um, yeah. is that the second time he's brought up urine in a press conference this year
1: yeah because week one was a, it was about jack so Lafleur talked about hydration yep hydration he talked about urine uh going into that Jacksonville game because of how hot it is he said he wanted guys to piss clear like three days before the game. And then now, yesterday, he, t- he said uh, it was in the context of having their first morning game of the season, right? So he said, you know, you got to wake up with your piss hot. He then got asked, like, what does that mean? And he was like, I don't know. You just got to do it. So, okay, just wake up with your piss hot. It's probably, like, a really bad sign if you wake up and your piss is cold, right? Like something internally is going wrong uh, that, like, might lead to death.
0: I'd argue either one is bad. Like if it either one how is hot, bad, right? Yeah, how I mean, there's hot. so
1: many follow-ups.
0: I burned a hole through my toilet. Like we're ready to go. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So uh, clear piss, full piss, can't lose. I've already said it before, but that's my motto going forward. Um, no, no. Sorry. Clear piss, hot piss, can't lose. So that's where we go. I'm going, I think it's a 10 point win. I, uh, My streak's got to end some point for, I've been to at Indy. Great game, by the way, last year. Uh, two years ago, I was in Los Angeles um, at the StubHub Center, you know, which I guess technically counted as an NFL venue. Um, 31-21. Um, I think the secondary hangs on. I think without a run game, they become really one-dimensional, and the Packers game plan for that. And I think we get that first win where – maybe not the first one of the year, but another Rodgers winner is like he just kicked ass.
1: I'm praying. I'm praying. Rogers moving up the uh, MVP odds too. I, I'm kind of surprised by that because of how how bad that week one game is. It weighs so much on your stats that if you're looking at it from a season long perspective, it's tough to win an MVP after having one of those type of games. But he's what he's had in the last three games. It's something like uh, like 800 passing yards and eight
0: touchdowns, zero eight interceptions, touchdowns, zero picks. Yeah, and I mean, eight, and that's it, not and bad. It, and he hasn't even played his best. He's left so many throws on the table, and those are his numbers over the last three And weeks. he's out his
1: best two offensive linemen, too. I mean, yeah. for, for most of that stretch. You know, we don't know when uh, Elton Jenkins specifically got injured, but if nothing else, we had a banged-up Elton Jenkins and then David Bakhtiari out. So, yeah, I'm very optimistic about this game. Uh Hopefully, uh Larry Ogunjobi just doesn't wreck uh, whoever's in there at center. Um, And hopefully they can keep Jamar Chase – bottled up a little bit because it seems like those are kind of like the win conditions for cincinnati walking out with a win what about vibes are we gonna do vibes usually that's post game thing but vibes are feeling pretty good i go offensively my vibes are like at seven uh including all the injuries defense i'm like five i want to see what the secondary looks like before i i give them positive uh credit
0: It's a little exciting, though. I know like if you're trying to spin it in your head, like it's a little exciting to see an unproven secondary and what they can do, because, you know, you still got Amos and Savage in the backfield. And I talk about it every week. I get so fired up about Stokes because when they drafted him, it was the one year I did not do any draft prep and I had no idea who he was. So it's been pretty (laughs) satisfying to watch that guy develop already. So bring it on. Let's see what happens. I'll be there if you see me. Uh, do not buy me a beer. I will be driving. So I'm only gonna have, you know, one or two. But uh come say hi. I'll be wearing a actually a Jair jersey. So, you know, there we go. Great timing.
1: All right, man. Have a good time. Uh sorry for you guys uh that we kept this so we released it so late. Um you, sorry, good Forgive us. Yeah, sorry, thank you. Sorry, Joe Goodberry, for spending a time for spending an hour with me and uh not having it show up on the feed. I'm fortunate about that, but we should be uh right on target, you know, the rest of the weekend, Uh, keep an eye out for inactives, all that check into Acme Packing Company on game day. Uh, If you're, if you're a poster, uh, go in and and post some comments in the game thread, and then we'll have the uh, podcast on time next week. Thanks guys.